Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, the first 13 verses. This is another one of Jesus' parables, and here's the story that he tells. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all, then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet, and the other and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless the message. Use it to draw us to yourselves and to prepare us for a life spent with you. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, Jesus calls these five young women wise. But i got to be honest. I always thought they were kind of rude, uh, selfish even. You see, so much of the New Testament encourages us to be generous, to be kind towards others. If someone takes your, uh, takes your shirt, give them your coat also. If, uh, if someone is rude to you, return kindness for it. Jesus even said that, uh, that the greatest love we can have is to lay down our lives for someone else. It, we're supposed to be giving. That's the nature of Christianity. And yet these five bridesmaids seem to act just the opposite. They hoard what they have. They hang on to it. They're unwilling to share. We learned better than that in kindergarten. And yet Jesus praises them for it. This seemingly unchristian characteristic is something that earns praise from Jesus himself. It doesn't quite make sense on the surface. So let's look at how it happened. Let's unpack it a little bit. Uh, in the first century in Israel, the way that weddings were done is that the, the bridal party, the bridesmaid, the family, the bridal party would gather at the groom's house, or more likely at the groom's father's house. Uh, the groom would then go to the bride's house, and she would negotiate with the bride's father about the dowry, about the bridal price. They might haggle back and forth for who knows how long before they came to an agreement that they both liked. Then, once the agreement was struck, the groom would take his bride from her house and bring her back to his father's house. When they were near, someone would shout to give everybody warning, and they would all greet the young couple and go into the house with them for the celebration of the wedding. That's the way things normally happen. And in this case, it was just like that. The, the groom was delayed, possibly arguing with the father of the bride. Uh, then they come back, and it's been a long time. These five foolish virgins, five foolish bridesmaids, have, uh, 
have had to go buy more oil. While they're gone, the bridegroom comes and the whole wedding party enters the house and these five foolish young women are left out. Uh, the door was shut on them. Uh, they were excluded from the fellowship. Now, the feast might go on for days and surely guests would be allowed to come and go, but because these five were not there to greet the young, uh, the young bride and groom, they were excluded. The rest of the community was in the party. They were outside. They were virtually ostracized for not being in the right place at the right time. Jesus sounds particularly harsh with those that were foolish and missed their opportunity. That's a tough parable. And uh, this, this parable is not about rainbows and unicorns. Uh, Jesus takes, tells this rather harsh story but he must do it for a reason. There must be something we're supposed to learn from this really uncomfortable tale. I'll suggest three things to you. First, we should never risk our own faith. We should never put our own souls in jeopardy, no matter what the reason. See, in, throughout the Bible, oil is used frequently as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. And in this story, the foolish uh, young women are asking for some of the oil that belongs to the wise young women. And they're not willing to give it up. They're not willing to give away. Uh, they're, they, they're not willing for their flame to go out. Now, it's true that we are supposed to do all that we can to reach the whole world. We should try to invite everyone into the kingdom, uh, regardless of where they've come from or what they look like or whether they're rich or poor. No matter what, we're supposed to be inviting people in. And even laying down our lives to spread the good news, even risking our wealth, risking our popularity, risking our fame, the, the Bible invites us to go to great lengths to risk almost anything in order that we might welcome others. Risk almost anything, but not your own soul, not your own spirit. The five young women are wise because they know if they give if they give their oil away, all ten of them might find themselves locked out. You see, we, we just can't give away what we don't have, can we? If, we? if we risk our spirits, we may find ourselves lost and unable to help the very people we were reaching out to to begin with. Over my years in ministry, uh, numerous times, I have had a conversation with one spouse who wanted to be involved in the faith community when the other one didn't. And I hate to stereotype, but just in my experience, almost always that conversation has been with the wife. Uh, I've had young women that would come to me and say, I want to be involved in church. I want my child to grow up in church. I want my child to be in Sunday school and learn the things that I learned. It's important to me, but my husband won't come and I'm going to wait until he'll come so that we can all come together as a family. In my experience, those families never come. I'm fearful that those young women, those wives, with the greatest of intentions, jeopardize their own spiritual growth in the hopes that they might get their spouse to come along. He said, we can't jeopardize our faith. If, if being present in worship is something that those women needed to do, they needed to do it 
And so this parable teaches us, never put our own souls in jeopardy. It's not selfish. It's not selfish to care for your own spirit. Secondly, the, the parable reminds us that we cannot live off somebody else's story. We can't live our faith based on somebody else's experience. So this foolish bridesmaids, they wanted to get by on the other bridesmaids' oil. They, they didn't want to have to have their own or bring their extra. They wanted to rely on the work that somebody else had done. In a very similar way, we can't be in a relationship with God based on somebody else's relationship. Uh, an example that comes to mind is uh, I have a friend in ministry uh, who was an ex-convict. Uh, he grew up over in Birmingham. He was a scoundrel in every fashion. He was, uh, he was a car thief. He tried to kill an off-duty police officer. Uh, he was just a bad guy. He would tell you that himself. Well, he was uh, found guilty, sentenced to prison in Kilby Prison down in Montgomery. I served uh, over three years of his sentence there. It's while I was in Kilby Prison that he met Christ. And that experience changed his life. Uh, my friend had never finished any level of school. Not he, he, he got thrown out of kindergarten. He got thrown out of elementary school, out of junior high school, out of high school. But after that conversion in Kilby Prison, he graduated with honors from Birmingham Southern College and went on to Candler School of Theology and got a, uh, a degree in divinity. Served as a faithful member of this conference for years as a pastor. I've listened to his story over and over again. I've had him preach for me in lots of places. Uh, I've learned his story. I can probably give his testimony about as well as he can. Every time I've heard him share that, I've had him share it with church people, with schools. Every time I've ever heard him share his testimony, the results are incredible. People respond. They come down for prayer. They make life-changing decisions. His story changes lives. But when I tell the story, even though I know the details, it doesn't work for me. I've actually tried it. I wanted people to hear him, and I couldn't get him to come, so I said, let me tell you what happened to him. Fell flat. No response. Nobody asking for prayer. It didn't work for me to live off his story. It's his story. He's got to tell it. Now, to be clear, we should learn all that we can from everybody that we can. Uh, living and dead. Read, read the great saints. Read the mystics. Uh, learn all that we can from those that have met God in very special ways. Listen to our Sunday school teachers. Learn from everybody that we can. But ultimately, we can't go borrowing somebody else's oil. Ultimately, it comes down to a relationship between us and God. Have I spent time shut up with God? Not did my parents, or did my preacher, did my Sunday school teacher, did I spend time shut up with God? This parable reminds me that the Christian life calls for me to engage personally, one-on-one -on -one with God, not to feast on somebody else's story only. Then third, the story reminds us to be ready, uh, to 
We, we don't know when the bridegroom's coming. We, we don't know when we're going to be called on to live out the faith. I don't even think that caution is simply about the end times or about the end of life. We never know when our faith is going to be needed in a situation. We never know when as disciples of Jesus Christ we're going to be called on to offer a word of care or comfort or witness. When we're going to be called on to offer a helping hand or to share generosity. And we can't wait until the time comes to get ready. We, we have to live ready, to be ready today. Uh, I got a new perspective of that recently. The last time that my family and I went down to New Orleans, we decided we would take the train. None of us had ever gone anywhere on a train, and we wanted to do that. So we, we got our tickets from Amtrak, and uh, we, had, uh, we had my older daughter, Kat, drop us off at the train station here in Tuscaloosa, made sure to get there in plenty of time to check our bags and to figure out what was going on, to find out how this whole thing works, and, and to be ready there on time, ready to get on the train. What we didn't understand is that uh, being that the train was rarely on time. We were there early afternoon. I mean, right after lunch, we were raring to go, and then we discovered that the train was still uh, about three hours out or so. Uh, we wondered, what do we do? We checked our baggage. What do we do? Do we do we run somewhere to, to rest? And uh, You know, when the train gets there, it's not waiting on us. So we spent the afternoon learning all about our train station, and hanging out and waiting on the train to finally show up. Once we got on board, I got an even clearer picture of what it's like to be ready at the right time. Uh, I discovered that between here and New Orleans, there are a number of whistle stops. Now, I've heard, I've heard of whistle stops, but I didn't have a clue what they were. Never needed to know. But apparently, we came through some small towns that don't have regular passengers. And as the train comes into town, it, it sounds the whistle, and and if anybody wants to get on the train, they better be there and be ready because the train barely comes to a stop. And if nobody's there, if nobody's on the platform, the train just keeps right on going. And that kind of made me think about what Jesus says here, that, you know, the, the, wed the wedding party came and it just kept right on going into the house. And if you weren't there and ready, you missed the party. Jesus is teaching us something about the immediacy of our faith that we live ready, that right now we're ready to follow Christ, that right now we're ready to offer that word or that helping hand. Not go get ready, but right now to live ready all the time. Everybody kept asking Jesus, when are you coming back? Finally, he said, it's really not a concern for you. He said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Jesus himself didn't know. He said, this is all you gotta know, be ready. You're not gonna expect it. So be ready. So those are kind of my three takeaways from the parable, that, uh, that we don't risk our own souls, that we don't try to live off somebody else's story, and that we live ready. You see, Jesus has thrown this huge party, the, the wedding feast, the, the kingdom of God is this tremendous party, and he wants all of us in. He wants to include everyone. It's not God's will that anybody should be left on the outside. He's, he's done everything imaginable to welcome us in. I pray that we will not be like those foolish handmaids, those foolish bridesmaids. I pray that we'll live ready. I pray that each day right now, we prepare ourselves to enter the party. It's been great to share with you again today. Hopefully something in the service has touched your heart or your life. 
I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I would love for you to connect at a deeper level with the family at Forest Lake. Uh, whether you're one of our members that's been here for, for decades, or maybe you've never been here, you're just watching online, would love to connect and include you in the family. My email address is on the screen. Shoot me an email. I'd love to talk with you, maybe about what I said or what I didn't say, what I got right or what I got wrong. Let's continue the conversation and be family together. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.